All right, guys, we're going to be continuing in um, the Lord's Prayer today. Um, we are starting in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 11. Go ahead and read it. It's a simple verse. Give us this day our daily bread. Um, how should we pray this prayer? Uh, this is a really exciting time in the Lord's Prayer. It's a transition. So we're, we've been studying about how God, uh, who is God, the glory of God, um, how God... Um, uh, how much he loves us, um, and his will, his will for our lives. His will will be done. His plan wills, uh, will come about, um, and we are to line up with that. So now we are coming into a, a position where we are asking. We are asking for our needs. We are coming before him with a request. Um, and I think the request here uh, to give us this day our daily bread um, really comes with that perspective that we need and we are dependent on God. This is the first, first big point, that we need God, um, which is very countercultural. Jesus came preaching um, and teaching very uh, different message than what the Jewish people in this time were, uh, were used to. Um, he came proclaiming the kingdom of heaven was here. Um, uh, it's a very different message than what we hear today in our culture, in America, the American dream, right? We work hard. If we work hard, um, we can have whatever we want. We can have our dreams. Our dreams can come true. Uh, we, as long as we work hard and persevere, um, we, can, we can have that for ourselves, right? Um, I work hard for my money. So money is a big issue that we all have that comes into this. It's, our, our world is literally tied uh, tied with it, um, and we live in this world as Christians, but um, we'd say uh, if we are coming with a perspective that we are dependent on God, we should think, who gave us the strength to work that job? Who gave us the skills that we all have to do that job? Who uh, gave you the very breath in your lungs so that you could exist, so that you could take care of your family, so that you could live? Um, there's a couple of verses here in Job that, that, that ask the exact same questions. It's very, very cool. Uh, if you haven't read Job, I recommend it. It's God, God conversing with Job, telling him um, in Job 38, 4, uh, he says, Where were you? This is God talking to Job. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Uh, in Job 12, 10, um, in his hand is the life of ever. Every living thing that breathes breath of, of all mankind. I don't think I read that right. In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Like he's literally given us life. Um, to come into that perspective is, is what we need to do. So Romans 9.20. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? What is... What is the molded to say to the molder, why have you made me like this? Guys, it's coming before God knowing your place. And knowing your place before God is what we have to understand before we come and ask for anything. Um, it's very, very much related to what we've been studying previously before we started the Lord's Prayer. We were talking about Beatitudes. The very first, I mean, this is the Beatitudes are what Jesus was commanding his church and his people his people in this kingdom were supposed to be like, right? The very first beatitude was being poor in spirit. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
This is the perspective that Jesus expects us to come to before we ask, before we come to him um, for anything, is understanding our uh, dependence on him. Um, When we started studying this, being poor in spirit in my life group, I was really worried about it. I I had a hard time wrapping my head around what it meant to be poor in spirit. Um, at, At first I thought, well, the spirit here that he's talking about, um, like the Holy Spirit, and to be poor in something is to have like not much of. So, is it good to not be so? That's not what he was talking about. Um, so, being poor in spirit was literally being knowing that you are dependent on someone else for your very survival, um, for your spiritual survival. Coming to vote for God, um, just like a homeless beggar on his knees would come before someone and say please give me what I need I need something to survive Um, we need to be in that position before God and it's not you can represent like in that video you can represent that position on your knees Um, you can represent that position by by folding your hands uh, by by turning your eyes down away from God but what God is after is is our hearts he wants us to come to a place where we know in our heart that we need him, that we are dependent on him. Um, so the position in this prayer um, is the next thing we'll look at, the position of this verse in this prayer that Jesus is teaching. So this is a, an example that Jesus is teaching us. This isn't um, exactly what he wants us to pray all the time, but it's a good example. So first, um, we came, uh, yeah, so the first um, was our Father in Heaven. We talked about how our Father is that relational Father, that loving uh, Father who is passionately uh, in love with us and wants the best for us. And then we studied that in Heaven part was that uh, far away, that all, all-powerful, all-knowing, uh, holy God that, was, uh, um, that created the whole earth and the beautiful blending of that together. Uh, you're really naming who you're talking to. You're naming God. Uh, holy is your name. Hallowed is your name. We understand that he is like no other, that he is all holy and deserves the glory, all the glory that we could give him. Um, third, we just, we understand um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come like your will will be done. There is no um, your will over mine. He is building a kingdom. He has a plan from the very beginning, and we fall in line with that um, the best that we can. So the fourth is give us our day this daily bread. Um, It's all about having the proper perspective um, coming before God. Um, And we're moving on to where Jesus is asking us, he's telling us that we should ask for our daily needs. Um, it's very, uh, very similar to, um, how my kids, um, ask me as being, trying to be, uh, as good of a daddy as I can be. Um, one of the first thing that the kids learn how to do is they, Abby, my, or, uh, Hannah, my smallest one, she can't talk yet, but she can grunt and groan. And she walks up to me and she grunts, uh, 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 points to something. I know what she wants. Right? I know what she's talking about. She wants something. 
So I'm not that I always give it to her, but I know it's just her way of communicating to me, right? So then you have your older, my older kids. They'll come to me every once in a while, and they'll point at something and grunt. Uh, uh. And what do you think I say? <laughs> use your words. Use your words. Uh, Jesus is telling us to use our words. <laughs> Jesus wants us to ask for uh, what we want. And whether he says yes or no, whether I say yes or no to my kids, I get to explain to them. I get to talk with them. I get to build this relationship to where they know that I have their best interests at at heart, that I want them uh, to come to me to ask so that we can build that relationship, so that we can, uh, I can show them then how much I love them by teaching them. Um, So God, Jesus is telling us to do that. Um, a good daddy does not dismiss the kids' requests, but discerns what they need most. Um, just like our father, who does the same thing. Uh, not only does he want to, us to come to him to ask for what we need, but he wants us to um, uh, understand him and his answer. So um, Tim Keller had a good quote here. Um, I don't know if we have that. Okay, thanks, Chad. Might have been out of out of place. God always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew all that He knows. So a lot of us would believe and would say that God is all powerful. That God can do anything. That He could He could answer every prayer that we ask for. He could literally make uh, or break anything. He could give us our wildest heart's desire. But he doesn't do that, right? I don't do that for my kids. If I did that for my kids, we would have real lightsabers and swords in the house, and we would be missing limbs, and we would have... (laughs) It would be a mess. (laughs) And my kids grow up. When they turn 16, are they going to get the race car? I know my Noah's going to want a race car when he gets a... I'm not going to give him a race car because he'll die. <laughs> and if you think that you knew everything, like let's say you were 20, like I'm trying to remember back to when I was 25. If I could have had anything I could have asked for, I was understanding what money was. So I would have asked for money, obviously. But would that have been, that would have, that would have, would that have gotten me anywhere? Would I still have the same life I have now if I had all the money in the world? The thing is, we don't exactly know what we really need at heart. Um, But if we knew, if God being the all-knowing God that he is, the question we're going to turn to is, do we trust in the wisdom of God? Do we trust that God is all-knowing, that he really loves us to the point where we um, can put our faith and our trust in his provisions? Um, I think there's a couple of scriptures where, yeah, John 14. Um, this was relating back to where Jesus tells us to ask for our needs. So he does want us to ask. I have a couple of verses here. John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And John 15, 7. Uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
So the question here is not, I will give you whatever you ask for, but when, you're, when you abide in me, when your words abide in me, um, as long as you are in my Father's name, um, if you are truly aligned with the will of God, which is the whole perspective of what we're trying to get, is that when you align your desires, when you align, try to align your life, and you seek after God with your whole heart, and you start breaking down um, that which you have defined yourself previously, and you start defining yourself within God's plan, um, you will receive exactly what you need, exactly what the Father has given you. I wish I could do that as a father, but I'm still, I have a lot of flaws still, so I have to trust in being a good daddy that I have to turn over a lot of that to God. Uh, God, Jesus, um, I know my Father in Heaven can be a better father to my children than I ever can. So a big goal of mine is to raise my children so that they know the Father. And that's what Jesus' perspective is here, is he's looking at us like his children. And they're saying, God our Father um, wants your whole heart. And that's what we're going to move into in the application side of this. Um, when we acknowledge our dependency on God's wisdom, it brings us to a place of having thankful hearts. It's when we really align ourselves with him and we start understanding that his will comes before ours, that we are totally dependent on him, um, and that we have complete faith and trust that he will provide for us. Um, we are thankful, for what, truly thankful for what he's given us. Um, so uh, we're going to move into a time of discussion. We're going to ask a question. This is something our church we love to do is try to relate our messages here, which are mostly monologue teachings with um, what we really like is discussion and trying to work out that um, salvation on your own. So discussion time is, is very important for us. So let's break into groups and talk about this question here. Um, when was the last time that you were put into a position to be dependent on, on basic for dependent on God for a basic need in your life. All right, everybody, we're going we're gonna to kind of bring our, our circles back into rows for a couple minutes here. Join back together, as Sam said, in our, in our monologue time, uh, teaching time together. And th Sam, thank you for, uh, for that. Um, I feel like that's, that's incredibly important for us to understand um, the how of praying this, right? If we don't understand that we're dependent on God first, uh, we, we lose perspective on the rest of what we're called to ask for, the way we're called to ask for it. And so uh, thank you for that. So, so where we want to move next is to the next part of the prayer. And that's really to look at the who. Who is Jesus teaching us here to pray for, right? And that may seem pretty obvious. This may seem like the most obvious part of the whole prayer, but for me, as I was studying through this, this actually kind of became one of those aha moments. I'd never looked at it this way before. And so um, look at the words here that Jesus teaches, right? Um, he says, give us this day our daily bread, right? Is there anything surprising about that? It's not me, right? It's not in the singular. It's, it's not, right? So I think for all of us, we probably think when, when we pray, we think about asking for whose needs? My needs. But I think more than just the fact that Jesus was teaching in a group 
of his disciples, I think he was also getting at something that we see kind of sprinkled throughout the pages of Scripture, and that's the idea of community. Of community. Community is a big deal in Scripture. In fact, God's plan for life, I think, is community. I don't think we get a picture in all of Scripture of life in the context of isolation and, and being alone. In fact, that's kind of the antithesis of life. That's the, that was the curse, was that they were, they were put out, they were separated. Um, and so we see this, and, and I'm not going to go into great detail on this, um, right? But we see that God, first of all, we see that God has eternally existed in community from the beginning, right? But from before our beginning, right, God has always existed in community, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And when God created, right, he created man, but then God noticed that there was a problem, right? God had said everything was good, and then he gets and creates man, and he's like, wait, there's a problem, right? It's not good that he's alone. So he created him a partner, right, so that he wouldn't be alone. We fast forward the story, right? We know sin comes in and, and kind of separates that relationship, and, and man gets put out of the garden, right? But then God creates this plan to get man back. And how does he start the plan, he picks a family, right, of Israel. It's this picture of a family. He's going to start with, with, this, with Abraham and Sarah, and he's going to create this family that was going to be God's rescue plan. Fast forward to the ultimate picture of that, right, in Christ and when he came. And, and what was Christ's plan for taking his, his mission to the world? The church, right? A community of people, a community of believers. And so I don't think it's by, by incident or, or by happenstance that this, this word, give us this day, is in the plural. I think when Jesus is teaching us to pray, it's not just for my needs, but it's also in the needs of my community, those people in my life, right? And when I thought about this, it kind of blew my mind up. Because in my context, in my life, I, just, I think about myself. Even in prayer, I am so selfish in thinking about my needs. I don't think about what Ross is going through or what Sam's going through or christian right i mean i'm just being honest like so much of the time i just think about what's happening in my life the things that i need what's happening in, in my little circle things that's going on i, th I think it's kind of like this right i think it has a lot to do with our perspective um i think it has a whole lot to do with our perspective i think most of the time it relates to prayer and even in life right our perspective is just like zero feet around us on the ground right and so from from our perspective of where i stand i can see a few things that's happening around the world, but I don't see a whole lot of things, right? Like, if I look around right now, I can see what's happening maybe in this room, maybe out in a highway, and that's about the extent of my perspective, right? But if I was to go up onto, onto Mill Mountain, for example, right? I think we got a picture of that somewhere. Uh, Mill Mountain, there we go, right? Mill Mountain, 1,700 feet up, right? I got a pretty good view, right? You guys been up to the star before, right? You guys have seen that, right? You can see, like, most of, of Roanoke. If you look really hard, you can kind of turn back and see... A little bit of the promised land of Franklin County, right? Um, maybe I should have used Bald Knob, but I don't think there's any pictures on the internet of Bald Knob. Um, and, so, and so I can see a little bit better of what's happening, right? And then imagine that, that I go up 30,000 foot, right? I'm on an airplane. I'm like, I'm like Maria was last week, flying over up above the clouds, right? And in those clear moments, you get a pretty good perspective, right? That's New York City. Like, I can see the needs of a whole city. But I would encourage us that we need to have... And a lot of times in our lives, the perspective that God does, right? We zoom all the way out, right? And it's a perspective of the whole world, right? And, and, and I think when I, when, I, when I learn to pray in community and I learn to pray for other people's needs and what's happening around the world, it changes my perspective, not just on what's happening in my life. I'm still going to pray for those things. 
but it opens up my perspective. You know, the other great thing about that is that it also helps me realize that some of the things that I think are really, really big things, when I blow them out to the perspective of the whole world, I realize that they're probably not as big a deal as I'm making them a lot of times. Right? I spend so much of my time and my effort on these things that are really important because of my perspective on the ground. But when I zoom out and I look at what God's doing in the world and I look at the needs in the world, I realize that my needs are not quite as big as I think they are. So I think it's important as we pray and we pray for our needs that we don't just pray for our needs, but we pray for the needs of our community as well. See, community focuses on the whole and not just on the individual, right? Like, like I wonder, as we were just having that discussion, as we were talking through that, I wonder when the last time we actually prayed that God would give us our next meal, Right? I know we do a really good job of thanking God for our meal and thanking him for, for our provision, but when was the last time that we sat down to the dinner table and we said, God, provide this next meal because I don't know where it's coming from. Right? I don't know where it's coming from. I would say in our, in our context, in our culture, in our first world that we live in, like we've probably never had to honestly make that prayer, have we? Like we've probably never had to sit down and say, God, provide that next meal for me because I don't know where it's coming from. Right? We live in a culture and a community that we are so abundant in what we have that we don't even think about that. But here's what I do know. All right? Here's what I do know. I do know that we have brothers and sisters around the world that that's a very real prayer for them every single day. Mm-hmm. Right? There are brothers and sisters right now in other parts of our world that, that they don't know where their next meal is coming from. They don't have the needs. And if God doesn't provide for them, then they don't have it. And I just wonder, when was the last time that we sat down and we prayed for them? Right? We sat down to a beautiful meal together and we said, you know what, God has blessed us so abundantly. But I know there are people out there who don't have it. So I'm going to pause and I'm going to pray for us, for them. I think it's interesting. Uh, I think this is David in Psalm 41, what he says. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. Right? There's something about us. If you look at the gospel of Jesus, Jesus said a lot of things about the poor and those that were in need. I think one of the ways that we can help those in need is that we pray for them, right? We may not need our daily bread in that, in that sense of food every day, but there are people who need that. And you see, I think the more that we get our, our focus off of ourselves in this moment, not, not that it's wrong to pray for our needs. Don't hear me saying that, right? Because we have needs in our Father, just like a good Father. He wants us to come to Him for those needs. And even if we don't, even if we know where the next meal is, right, I would still encourage us, like, to just ask God, right? That's just part of, of that relationship. But when was the last time that we took our focus off of us and prayed for those that don't have that, our brothers and sisters in need? Because I think when we do that, it leads to hearts of generosity. I got hit with this thought this week, and I haven't been able to shake it, and it's, it's, it's been incredible, honestly. Um, but what if God has given us more than we need? Not just so we could hoard it in and keep it for ourselves, but that we could be a conduit, a blessing for other people. Like what if God has given us more than we could even use or need to meet our daily needs so that we could take that and give that to people who need that, right? What would that look like? And the more I thought about that, I kind of thought about my house. Uh, and a lot of you, you guys especially know, I've been going in this ongoing battle with my, with my gutters at my house. Like, 
kind of my arch nemesis right now in life, if you guys know anything. My gutters like are just out to get me, and they like to stop up so that water comes in my basement, and then I got a shot back to basement, and then I got a carpet clean, you know, this whole thing. And this has happened like five times. And every single time, right, the gutters are fine, but these things called downspouts, right? You guys are familiar, right? They're the, the tubes that run down from your gutters, right, your downspouts. Your entire gutter can be clean, and you can have like five sticks stuck in your downspout, and it'll, it'll mess your whole gutter system up, right? Stops it up from working. And I think that sometimes God gives us all these blessings, yet yeah, because we stop our downspouts up, we don't want to send it on, and we don't want to be that conduit of God's blessing to other people. We just start to overflow, right? And not in a healthy way of overflowing, but we just, like, we just keep piling it up for ourselves. But like, what would it look like if we just became crazy, generous people, right? I remember hearing a story, I think it was in his book, Crazy Love. Francis Chan tells the story of, he was praying one day, and he was just praying, God, would you just, would you just raise up an, a really wealthy person who has a heart for you, and would you just bless them in a crazy way so that they could just pour out this blessing for the gospel purposes? And he said the more he started praying about that, the more he started realizing, you know what, God, will you bless me? so that I can be that crazy, generous person. And this was all before he wrote his first book. And so, so kind of through this whole phase, he said that he said he was going to he was going to pledge any money that he made off of his book, he was going to give away to missions, right? And he wrote the book Crazy Love, and it went to a New York Times bestseller and made millions of dollars, and every single penny that he made off of that, he sent to missions. And I just wonder like is that our perspective, right? As we look at our lives, right? Sometimes when we look from our perspective, it's like, man, we barely have enough to make our bills, right? But when we zoom out and we look around the rest of the world and we see how much God has truly blessed us, I wonder if, if we need to have that heart change of being crazy, generous people in the same way, you know? Um, and I'll be honest, like, this is, <laughs> this is something that's, that's kind of easy for me to stand up here and, and tell you guys and say, hey, we need to be generous people, right? But I don't think this stops just... Uh, on us, us in an individual standpoint, I think this also applies to us as a church. Okay? I think us as a church, we need to be crazy, generous church as well. God has blessed us in incredible ways. I don't know, we don't talk a whole lot about finances, um, and that's kind of intentional, um, probably because of, of some history that a lot of us carry from places that talk too much about finances. Um, right? We don't talk about that a lot, but, but it's important that you guys understand, and it's the church that we understand that we should also be a crazy generous church as well because God has been so generous to us. And like what if we could be a conduit, a blessing of, create, of, of passing on God's ministry through this local church, right? And so what I want us to do is I, I just want to let you guys know and inform you as the church of like some ways that God has given us as a church the way to be generous and the way that we're already being generous. So like if, if you're a part of Bedrock and you financially support what happens here, Right? So we have this little box. We don't talk about this very box very much. Like maybe once every four months we talk about this box. There's a little wooden box over there, right? And it's the place that we, we put in our, our offering, our tithes that we're going to give to God, right? And, and I think it's important that you guys understand like what we do with that money. And it's important to understand that we don't want to just hoard that in. We don't want to clog up our downspouts and just keep that all for ourselves here either. But we want to give it away because we realize that God's mission is bigger than just what's happening in Franklin County and Roanoke. God is, God is working around the world, and so we want to be a part of that. I think the other thing you need to understand, too, is, is while God has called us to be crazy generous, we're also being supported by other crazy generous churches. So, like, our church in Roanoke that has planted us and sent us, 
Like, they crazily, ridiculously, generously give to us every month so that we can do the things that God's called us to do, right? And so I realized with saying this, like, there's some things on the line for me because that's, that's, that's where my salary comes from, right? And so when I say, hey, let's be crazy generous, the first thing that goes to my mind is like, yeah, but what if we don't have that money in the bank for the point that it's all on us and then I need a paycheck and I have like 15,000 kids and they need to eat and how does that work, right? But if we're going to be crazy generous, like we got to put it on the line and just trust that God's going to do with it more than we can. So I just want us to walk through, I just want to uh, really just kind of inform our church of some of the ways that God has allowed us to be generous. So if you're a part of what's happening here and, and you're generously supporting what's happening here, I want you to know that you're already being a part of supporting missions outside of just our circle that meets on Sunday mornings. Um, so I want to talk about locally some of the things that we're involved in and some of the things that we're giving away to, all right, some of the local mission support. So the first is the Agape Center. If you guys aren't familiar, Agape Center is a is over in Manita, um, and it's really an organization that helps those that don't have what they need. And so they provide food, they provide um, furniture, they provide counseling, um, they provide all kinds of things for people in, in need. And they just kind of give those things away to meet those, those needs. And so what do we do to, to support them? First of all, we, we go and we work there. There's been times that we've taken work days and we work there. We also donate. I know a lot of us, when we have more stuff than we need, right, because we all have more stuff than we need, right, we've just reminded of that yesterday, um, we, can, we can donate that to them, and they just give it away. They don't charge people for it. They just give away things so that people have the basic needs that they need, that they, that they want, right, and they need. But also as a church, it's important that you realize that we also support their efforts. So financially as a church, part of what we take in every month, we give away to them, right? We give away to them. Also, here's another, here's another one, Franklin County Young Life. Uh, this is probably the one you all know the most about. Um, just because we have uh, some of the leaders involved in our, in our church. And so, it, you know, you guys are probably aware of that. But Franklin County Young Life is an organization that has a heart to get into the schools, right? And God has opened a door for them to, to love on teenagers and to love on high schoolers and middle schoolers. And so how do we support them? Well, we have people that volunteer, but even as a church, it's important you realize that we give away part of what's been given to us to support their mission, right? To what they're doing because God has given them, God has granted them access into the high school, into places where as a pastor, if I walked up to Franklin County High School and I said, hey, I want to come have lunch with some high school students, there's a ton of red tape that I'm not getting through. But God has already opened the door for, for Franklin County Young Life. And so we're going to partner with what God has called them to do. And then finally, locally, we're also uh, involved in our local soup kitchen, the Stepping Stone Mission, right? And so, so whether we go there and we serve or whether we, we fundraise, uh, coming up in a few months, we're going to be able to do uh, help them with their Autumn Fest. And so every year we get a block party trailer and we help them raise support so they can continue to be a blessing and to meet needs here in our county. But just like I told you earlier, I don't want it just to stop within the walls, within the borders of Franklin County, right? God has called us to, to a much bigger mission, and that's to reach the world, right? And so globally, we're starting to partner with some organizations that we can start to be a part of God's mission around the world. And so one of those globally is Because We Care Ministries. And it's a ministry that was started by a bedrock guy in Nicaragua, um, and now they've started a school um, and they've started a church out of that school um, or out of that mission. They've started a church that the Bedrock as a network has supported. And so I look forward to the day. I hope that within the next year or so that we're actually taking trips and we're going and we got boots on the ground that we're going and serving and loving on people around the world. Right? 
We also have another opportunity that, that uh, I've posted some of this stuff on Facebook, but I don't know how much you guys have connected. We've also partnered up with, with an organization called Walk, uh, Walk Missions. And um, a friend of mine from college started this, this outreach. Um, God had given him a passion for video um, and to be able to use that across the world to share the gospel. And so he actually recorded a little short video um, letting us know what he does and why he's going to do it. So I want us to take a couple minutes, and I want you guys to hear what Walk uh, Missions is doing around the world and how we are a part of that. So you guys watch this video. Hello, Bedrock Church, Franklin County. Uh, my name is Josh Chapman, if you don't know me. And um, I'm here to talk a little bit about Walk Missions. Uh, you guys have been supporting us. Uh, for the last couple years, and um, you may not know that, but this morning I want to share a little bit about how Walk Missions got started, and the thought behind it, and what we what we really are about, and what we want to do. Um, basically, in 2017, I went on a missions trip to Cambodia through the prompting of the Lord, and I met all these people that were living in poverty, but they all had phones everywhere, and guess what? They couldn't even make calls on their phones, but they had Facebook plans. So they started becoming my friends on Facebook and liking everything that I posted. They would tag me in photos that didn't even have anything to do with me. And I just it just clicked for me in that moment that people are looking for relationships. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for Jesus Christ. And I was like, man, I've got this passion for video. How does this work with social media and Facebook? What if we combine the two? What if we teach people how to use their phones and how to use social media to share the gospel? Because most of the time, social media is used as a platform to complain and gripe. And I want to challenge the church to use social media to tell the stories of life change and the stories of, gospel, of the gospel that have transformed people's lives. So that's what we are setting out to do. Um, and we're also offering professional video services to mission boards and agencies and nonprofits that, that can't afford it or don't have a, a video team on their board. So um, an example of that is this October, we'll be going to South Africa, and we'll be producing about six documentaries for a, a group called uh, Seven Rivers Outreach in South Africa, and um, they, uh, we will be impact. We'll be creating these six videos, and those videos will be able to be used by seven different missionary families, three mission boards, and one local church in the area, as well as a Zulu pastor who's planting three churches in the area. So, the, this trip is going to be hugely impactful. It's uh, something we've been waiting for and praying for uh, for a long time. And also on this trip, we're going uh, we're gonna to be speaking at a conference at the church that I grew up in. Um, my dad was a church planter, and he planted a church in Johannesburg. And we're going to be able to teach um, uh, three sessions on um, how to use um, social media to share the gospel and tell your story. Uh, we're doing a session on how to use an iPhone or a, a, cam a camera or whatever you have to make a good video. And just like I'm doing right now with my iPhone, hopefully it's good, hopefully you're enjoying it. And uh, thirdly, we're going to do a practicum class where we get everybody into groups and we say, okay, you guys go make an Instagram story, write it up, and tell the gospel through Instagram. You guys go 
write a Facebook story, record a video of your testimony in under two minutes. And this is just going to be such an awesome opportunity. So I want to thank you guys for your continued prayer and support and love. Um, I love your pastor, Russin and Nicole. They have a, a love for people and for children like I've never seen. And uh, I couldn't think higher of anyone. So I thank you so much for this time. And I pray that you would use social media to share your story of the gospel. Bye-bye. promise you I didn't pay him to say that last part. Um, <laughs> it's kind of the part I was like, man, should I cut that out? Um, so here's, here's what's cool about this, though. Um, so you heard Josh mention in the video. So we, so we monthly are going to, we're supporting what they're doing there, right? So we're, we're sending something every month. But as I've been talking with Josh, um, there's also been another need for this trip to South Africa. Uh, it's about $5,000 for each person to be able to go, and that's going to cover their trip there. It's going to cover their equipment, all that sort of stuff. And so there's two guys going, and so Josh is in the process of raising his support for that right now. And he's, I don't know, he keeps giving me percentages. He's like, I'm at 28%. I was like, what does that mean? Tell me how much money you need. Um, and so he's, he's at about 1800 uh, or he's got a few more, uh, a couple hundred more that came in over the weekend, I think he said. But anyway, he's, he's part of his way of raising his support for the fall trip. And, and as I was talking about this with, with uh, one of our guiding elders from Roanoke, Joe, and just about the way that God has blessed us as a church. Like God has, has blessed us more than what we need every month. God has given us money. So we have money sitting in a bank account right now, uh, more than what we need right now to sustain the life of our church. And the more I talk to Joe about this, the more I just realize this is an opportunity for us to give some of that away and be generous. Um, and so, and so we're going to send a check, um, this week for about 1500 bucks just to walk for them, for him to take that trip to South Africa. And what's really exciting is like, these are the things that we should celebrate when we as a church can come together. Right. And especially when you think about we're a church that's getting supported by other churches, but yet we can still be generous. It would be really easy, I think, for us to sit up here and say, man, we can't give anything away because we don't know. And that's just the reality, right? I mean, there's coming a day when all of those churches, as nice as they are, they're going to say, you know what, guys? Okay, we've supported you for a couple years. Now you're on your own, right? And we can either live in fear and kind of hoard all that money for ourselves, or we can be generous because we realize that God has been generous to us, and I want us to be a generous church. And so we're going to send that, right? We're going to send that away. And I hope we continue to have opportunities to support what God is doing around the world. And when we do that, that should move our hearts Right? We should celebrate those things. Those are things that we should get excited about. So I'm hoping that you're as excited as I am the fact that our little church here is, is supporting work that's going to happen over across the globe in South Africa. Like We get to be a part of that. And that's a big deal, church. Like That's incredible. Because of your generosity and giving to what's happening here, we're able to support that. And so what does this look like? Um, so we've been talking about praying for others and, and community. What, is this, what does this look like in our lives? Well, I think when we start praying for other people's needs, this incredible things happen, right? The more that we start to pray for others and that they have their daily needs met, the more that God's going to move our heart into action to meeting some of those needs. I think that's just going to happen. Like, I don't think that we can sit and pray for people who have needs for a very long time before God starts to move our hearts to meet that need. And I think that's part of it. I think when we sit down and we pray and we spend time asking God, yes, Ask for the things that we need. Our Father has told us to do that. I don't think I need to get up here and tell us how to do that. We, we, we do that naturally. I think what we don't do as naturally is to think about the needs of those around us. And so I would just encourage us as we pray, God, give us this day our daily bread, that we think about the hour is not just me, but it's also brothers and sisters around the world. And so as we think about praying for others, 
ask the question of who. It's not just about us, right? But then the last part of this prayer, last part, I'm going to move through this quickly because I want us to have some discussion time here at the end, right? There's just so much jam-packed in this, um, is the what. What is it exactly that we're asking for, right? This day, our daily bread. What is Jesus talking about? I want to, I want to address the daily bread part first, and then I want to come back and address the this day part. So bread first, right? In the ancient culture, right, in the ancient Jewish culture, right, bread was the staple for life, right? Kind of like in our culture, how we would say meat and potatoes, right, for a lot of us is the staple of life. In their culture, it was bread because for, for, for a lot of them where they lived, they didn't have fresh vegetables. They didn't have uh, sustainable sources of meat. Man, I sound like a millennial, sustainable meat. <laughs> they didn't have meat readily available to them because of where they lived at. But they always had bread. That always seemed to be the thing. And so when Jesus is teaching them, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, we're not praying for bagels and rolls and things like that, but we're praying for those, those, those things that would support our life, right? Those staples in our lives. And see, back in the day when they made bread, they didn't add all the preservatives and stuff. You know, the stuff that we eat today that comes in that square loaf, right, that's not really bread. You guys are aware of that, right? Because, like, we could have a nuclear fallout, and it could be 30 million years from now, and aliens come back, and they would still find that loaf of bread, and it would still be as fresh as it was the day we bought it. Like, that's not bread, right? They bought this, they actually made stuff from, from wheat, and it was actually fresh, and if you didn't eat it that day, what would happen to it? It would go stale, right? You'd bite into it, and it wouldn't be good anymore, right? And so Jesus is using this as a picture for them to understand Lord, give me the things that I need today to sustain me. No doubt, though, there's no doubt when Jesus said this, though, the first thing that shot into their minds was when God provided bread for his children uh, when, they, when they had left uh, Egypt and they were in the desert, right? And what, what did he call that? What was that bread? What was the name they came up for? Manna, right? This bread from heaven that God would send, right? And so if, if you remember the story of the Exodus, and, the, and of course we know they, they cross the Red Sea, and then they're in the desert, and they're complaining, God, you just brought us out here to let us die. I wish that we were by the meat pots in Egypt. And so God says, you know what? I did bring you out here, and I'm going to provide for you. And so like in Exodus uh, chapter 16, verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people should go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk uh, in my law or not. And so every night, right, they would go to bed and they'd wake up the next morning and there would be bread and they would go out and collect it, right? But there was, there was a rule that God put on that, right? And, and the rule was that the bread would only sustain them for one day. It would only last for one day. So if they collected more than they needed, it would start to get worms and maggots and all these nasty, disgusting things, right? Except for, of course, on the sixth day where God allowed it to make uh, their needs for the seventh day because that was the day that they rested, right? And so they did this, right? They did this. And look at verse 35. The people of Israel ate the manna for 40 years until they came into a habitable land. They ate the manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. God provided for them. And I don't think it was just because God couldn't make bread that would last more than a day that, that it would go bad. I think because God wanted them to be reminded every single day of their need for him. And I think that's what God is trying to get at our hearts, right? God, give us this day our daily bread. It's not about bread. It's about looking to our Father for our daily needs. Sam said it earlier, right? God, give us breath in our lungs to sustain us for today. 
I need the energy in my body to help me get through the day. I need the strength that only you can give me to get through the day. It's, it's this constant reminder. God wants us to come to him with our needs, but he wants us to come to him, right? He wants us to come to him, spend time with him. So that's the bread part. What about this day, right? What is, what's important for us to understand about this day? And I think that's, that comes to a big element of trust. I'm going to trust God for today. And alongside of that, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow, right? Tomorrow has its own worries. There's a lot of things that I could spend a lot of my time worrying about. But when I thank God for my needs and my provisions, I'm going to focus on what God's going to do for me today, and I'm going to stand today. And see, Jesus talks about this a little bit later on in, in chapter 6, as he's talking to his disciples and he's teaching them. Listen to all this parallel, starting in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. There's the tie-in, right? Nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Then I love the pictures. God's like, Jesus is like looking around. He's like, hey, look at the birds in the air, right? They neither reap or sow. Like They don't have tractors and go out and produce all this stuff, right? They don't, they don't have barns together. But yet, God, God provides for them. Are you not more valuable than they are? And by the way, which of you can add a single hour to your lifespan by worrying about it, right? Some of us need to just like cross-stitch that and like put that somewhere. We see that every day. Um, I need to tattoo that across my forehead of like, what can you, what does worry do, right? Can you do anything about it, right? And, and, and why are you worried about your clothes, teenagers? No, I'm just kidding. You guys are not, there's some teenagers. Right? <laughs> are you worried about your clothes, guys? Who cares, right? Have you looked at the flowers of the field? Are they not more splendidly dressed than, the, than, than even Solomon in all of his glory, right? It isn't as beautiful as though, but yet God clothes the grass in the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, right? So why do you worry about that? Why do you have such a little faith? Therefore, do, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? I love this tie-in. I, think, I love the parallel between this. For this is what the Gentiles seek after, after all of these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. You guys remember Jesus as he was teaching them what not to pray at the beginning part of this, right? He said, don't be like the Gentiles who just, just kind of say these empty words because they think their God will hear them. He's kind of pulling that reference again. He's like, don't be like the Gentiles, right? They worry about those things. But you have a heavenly Father that will provide for your needs. So why do you worry? So what do we do then? You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When you do that, God's going to take care of all these other things. Verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And this is a hard, this is a hard truth for a lot of us. It's a hard truth for us to, to go to God in prayer and then to release that and trust that God's got it at that point. That's hard. And I say that from a person who is a warrior. Like I'm like seventh generation warrior. Warrior, not warrior. Warrior. I wish I was a warrior, a prayer warrior. That probably helped, right? I'm a seventh generation warrior, right? It has just been passed down to my family of worrying, and so like I just, I just naturally worry. But what I realize is that when I worry, that's that's really to a point of not trusting God, which is really when the Bible calls it not what I'm calling. That's that's sin is not trusting God, right? Worry is not trusting God. Worry is thinking that I can somehow control can control the results of life myself, right? And that's a problem. That's a problem. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. When we, when we worry about things, what's the first thing that we do? We try to go out and we try to fix it, don't we? 
I think the ladies are a lot better at going and, and maybe praying and asking God. I know for the guys, especially, we just try to go fix it. If I got a problem, I'm going to go out and fix it, right? And then after I go out and fix it, I take it to the shop and get it fixed the right way, and then I got to worry about paying that off most of the time, right? But as guys, and, and probably for a lot of us in our own ways, right? We just try to fix things. We don't trust God. That would be like an alcoholic, right? That that that, that would go back to a bar, right? That's the last place that they need to go. And in the same way, when we worry about things, going away from God and not taking it to him, that's the last thing. Like the first place we should run to is should, should be running to God. The Bible is very clear about this. I just Instead of me just talking about this, I just want to read a couple of passages that, that God's word tells us about this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will be the one that makes your path straight. Philippians 4, 6 and, 8, uh, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, there it is, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Have you, have you guys read this? Do you, are you guys familiar with Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8? Like, this is a great one. Like, this one, this one was, uh, this is one of those I read this week, and I was just like, oh, this is, this is, this is good. Verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the streams and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Could that be said of us, church? Like that we are so rooted in God and trusting Him and our roots are so deep in Christ, right? Then when drought comes... Right when the heat of life comes, that we're not shaken by it, we're not anxious and worried about it, but yet we know the source of, of our sustenance. Are we so rooted in Him? I love how one person said it. They said, uh, they said this. They said, "Worry is a conversation with ourselves about something we can't do anything about, but prayer is a conversation with God about something that He can do everything about." I love that perspective. Right when I sit and I worry about things. I worry about today, this day, what I'm going to do this day. I'm saying that I, there's something I can do about it. But when I pray and I just give it to God, I realize that I'm giving it into much more capable hands than my own. Why should we give it to God? Because God wants us to do that. He wants to be there for us in that way. Check out, check out these verses. I love these. First Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves before, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Verse 7, cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Right? Give it all to him. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 30. Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And finally, as we think about this idea of bread of life, I think our challenge is in those moments that we worry that we go to the source of life, to that bread of life. Jesus said in John six thirty five, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. <coughs> so that's the question for us today, church. It's that in all this area of prayer, and as we think about our needs, right? Is our mind in a place that, that it's about us, that we can somehow do something about it, it's just that leads to worry and 
you know, the, the crazy thing is like when we when we worry, it also probably brings us to hoarding things for ourselves, right? Because we're worried that we're not going to have it for tomorrow. But when we trust in the Lord and we give it to Him, it makes it a lot easier for us to be generous because we realize that the same generous God that gave us all that we have is going to continue to sustain us. And so if I give it away, like I can't outgive what God's already given to me kind of thing, right? And so, I don't know. I thought, I don't know. I, th- I thought this was really cool. Um, and, and maybe that's just kind of the, the Bible nerd side of me when I, when I saw this. Um, but last week, um, when I was preparing for our message on the will of God, I looked up a ton of verses that said, this is the will of God for your life. Um, and I was going to go through all of those, and, and God kind of brought me in a different direction as we talked through that last week. But one of those verses uh, was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 16. And I just think this is really, really cool how this all tied together. Uh, so if you guys think about, we've talked about kind of three different parts of the prayer today. We talked about three different applications for, for those parts, right? So Sam talked about how, how when we give, we think about we ask God to give us something, that it's really God that gives us to us, and so that should lead us to being thankful in heart. Right? And then we talked about how, how it's not about just us, right? or, or about us individually, but about us as a community. And so when I, when I pray, that should also help me to become more generous and praying for the needs of others. And then we talked about the daily bread, right? and how that should lead us to trust God. 1 Thessalonians 5, this was, just, this was too cool when I read this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 24 says, jumps down and says, He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Do you see the connection there between each one of those in that verse? Right? Rejoice always. We're rejoicing. Like, to me, that's a sign of being generous and just rejoicing and being grateful and generous, right? And then, and then of course, being thankful that we give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God. This is what God wants us to do. This is what he's called us to do. And then we should really, truly believe that God can do it. That's going to lead us to trusting in Him. So here's here's kind of how I want us to to take uh, the remaining couple minutes we have together. Okay, I want us to to first of all, I know this is journal, um, but I think it's important that we we talk about this. Um, and so maybe we can talk about this, and then from that, maybe you can take a few minutes and kind of jot a few things down in your journal, right? But I want us to think about think about each one of those, the way that we're thankful, the way that we should be generous, and the way that we can trust. God in our life, right, as it relates to, to maybe we use 1 Thessalonians 5 as, a, as an example, right, and let's just talk about, right, let's just talk about ways that we could be more of these things, the way that our prayers could be more thankful for what God's done for us, that we could be more generous in the way that we think about other people, in the way that we could trust God more in our lives.